On this week's Big Tech Show, you might not think it could happen to you, but our guest this week explains how a significant number of Irish people may be falling victim to romance frauds online. Victims can feel a misplaced sense of shame. People can blame themselves. They feel embarrassed. And so they don't want to tell family, friends. They don't want to report it to the police. In some cases, of course, the victims are already in relationships. They're married. They have an extra reason to keep that quiet. The Big Tech Show, available on all podcast platforms. Platforms. This week on Crime World... There was a Republican police from 1920. I mean, the IRA was effectively trying to run an underground government. And actually, there was a crime wave. 1919, 1920, there's a wave of bank robberies, post office robberies, robberies of individuals, robberies of pubs in Dublin and in rural areas as well. So the IRA tried to actually clamp down on that. They, on occasion, solving bank robberies and giving the money back to the banks. Now, I'm Nicola Talent, and you can listen to my podcast, Crime World wherever you get your podcasts. If you like the Indo Daily, you can follow us on Apple, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts. Today on a bonus episode of the Indo Daily. The rise of Rashida Adelaki, the 20-year-old athlete from Tala, who's the potential to become a global sprint superstar and has next year's Paris Olympics in her sights. She's in fourth place at the moment. Is she in second place? Is she moving into a position to challenge for a medal? This is the race that has graduated Rashida Adelecki to world class. Everyone will take notice of her now. It's two and a half years since Adelecki moved to the University of Texas at Austin to begin an athletic scholarship. It was a big change for me because I came from a kind of being like a big fish in a small pond to being like a very small fish in a big pond. Adelaki has been making a habit out of breaking national sprint records year after year. Texas will take gold and silver led by Rashida Adelke with a time of 50.33. And that beats her own nation-leading time in the 400 meters and also is a new meet record. So how good can she become? With the 2024 Olympic Games coming up in over 12 months' time, can Adelaki become an all-time great in world athletics? Once you figure out how good you could be and accept that, then you have to live with everybody else's expectations of you. She's not past the first step, which is, how good am I? And, and how good can I be? I'm Sinead Kassan, and I visited the University of Texas in Austin to meet Adelaki and her coach, Edric Floriel, to get the inside track on a generational talent. Adelaki was born in Dublin in 2002 after her parents moved to Ireland from Nigeria. Her talent has been mapped since she started winning multiple national sprint titles for her school, Presentation College Terrenure. Adelaki's teenage talent then became showcased on a bigger stage as she won medals at underage European and World Championships. The college scholarship offers rolled in. The University of Texas at Austin won the race to sign her. Edric Floreal became her new coach. Born in Haiti, Floreal represented Canada in two Olympics and is known as Coach Flo to his athletes. Since Adelaki made the transatlantic move to Texas in January 2021, the results have been extraordinary. Floriel told Adelaki she'd run under 23 seconds in the 200 metres. She did that within months of arriving to break Phil Healy's national record. Floriel told her her real potential lies in the 400 metres. So she moved up last year and she finished fifth in the European Outdoor Championships last summer in only her sixth time running a 400 metres. 
Last weekend, she became the first Irish woman to run under 50 seconds in the 400 metres. But living in a new country, a new culture, a new coach, new teammates, there were some initial tough lessons for Adelaki in the move to Texas. It was a big change for me because I came from a kind of being like a big fish in a small pond to being like a very small fish in a big pond. And, you know, my freshman year, my sophomore year, I took a lot of losses. And, you know, I'd always like my very first race, which was in January 2021, it wasn't great at all. And I just... It just, it just bothered me for so long and like it just affected me mentally for so long. And like, I guess throughout the years I've developed that kind of short term memory that's just so important. And like, okay, this happened, there's nothing you can do, you can't cry over spilt milk, so you move on and you try and fix what thing, the things that went wrong in the previous race or the previous performance. I remember talking to Rashida and we were sitting there um, when I was we were finishing recruiting, she had decided she wanted to come and I said, well, What's your foot speed and your leg length? And once we get your strength levels up, you'll probably run 22 seconds. She said, she said you're mad, uh, the, in a typical Irish accent. You're mad. I, was, uh, I forgot how she said it. I was like, what, what do you mean? What does that mean? She says, you're crazy. Said, what do you mean you're crazy? She said, you're crazy. You understand the Irish record is 23-0. I was like, so? I'm not bound by the Irish record. We were having this talk for goal setting. I said, but I'm not bound by the Irish record. <laughs> you are. I love all the sprints, honestly, but I feel like I'm, my, the, the, my four, the 400 probably be my strongest event, like even now and in the future. Like judging on how little experience I have in it and how far I've came, I guess it just gives an insight to how far I can go when I have more experience or when I have more training under my belt. I've only had one year of, one semester of fall training, like the winter, the hard stuff, the like the yeah, foundation. Yeah, so I started in October and I started competing in January. So I really only had about three, four months. And um, just off those three, four months, seeing how far I came, it just kind of sets me up well for the next year. So I definitely think it'll definitely be my best event, but I still love the 100 meters and the 200 meters and the 60. And I think I can really be, you know, competitive in all of the sprints events. An important turning point in Adelaide's season this year came after she did something no Irish athlete has done before. She won an individual NCAA sprint medal with silver and the 400 metres at the National Collegiate Indoor Championships in March in Albuquerque. But her performance wasn't good enough for her. She decided she needed to change her approach to training for the 400 metres. It's funny because in the past, like, poor performances would like unmotivate me. So I'd like, after poor performance, I'd be like, oh, I don't want to do this anymore. Like, oh, this sucks and stuff. But like after, like now, I'm like in a, such a different mental space that like a poor performance would motivate me even more. So it's like, after that happening, I was like, okay, um, I need to be able to be stronger when it matters. So I was like, I, like be before I wouldn't want to do 600s or anything that long because it's just, I just wasn't used to it. It was just so hard for me. But I'm like, this is what I need to like get to where I want to be. So I'm going to do whatever it takes. So I told him, I had that conversation with him. I was like, I need to do whatever it takes to be in a better position when this time comes around again. So that was kind of like my, my outlook. I'm hard on myself. You know, I might be a little bit too hard on myself, but I probably was, I probably used to be a lot harder on myself. Now it's, uh, there's so many more races in the future that, you know, I'm hard on myself at the time, but then I move on and I try to better myself. So um, I'm still hard on myself. I still put a lot of pressure on myself, but it's not as much as I used to. Yeah, she's kind of solid. I mean, she's, she does, 
pretty grounded. Mm -hmm. You know, like like she gets angry with bad performances and then raises her game. She will train harder if she doesn't perform well. Some kids, if they don't perform well, they depress. She doesn't get depressed. She just gets mad. Like after the indoor, she just yeah, she's she was just mad after indoor. She came to me. She said, "I will not complain about training again. I, I, I will not complain about training anymore." Is that, I, I, is that a difference? Yeah, that's that the first thing she said. I said that because she hates 600. I hate 600. I should not have to do that. So she's like, I will never open my mouth about a 600 again. I'm done. You tell me how many I have to do, I'm just going to do it. And so far, yeah, she does. She, she's just training with a purpose. That's like most young athletes can't, they can't accept the fact that they can control their own destiny by training harder. You know, they just blame everything on somebody else. Rarely that somebody says, okay, I have not trained as hard as I could, and I have not done what she wanted me to do. I understand that that cost me, and I'm okay with that, and I'm gonna make some changes. And she's in the weight room, she's lifting, she hates to lift weights. It's, watching her lift weights is like <laughs> plucking your own eye out. I mean, it's just like, what are you doing? Why are you even here? She just, I just hate this. But now she's actually in the weight room trying to up the amount, and, you can see her struggling, and she's actually trying. And it made a huge difference, because I thought as you get stronger, your legs breaking apart at the end of the race won't happen as much. So she's really trying to core, think she hates doing sit-ups. I mean, she barely can hold her legs up, and she just hates it. It's not because she's not good at it. Well, maybe because she's not good at it. But she really hates it. She doesn't apply herself because she's like, this is stupid. I thought, you know, so you say, oh, this is stupid. I don't want to do that. And now she's realized that these girls are much stronger than me. I said, with your leg length, if you can have some strength, they have no chance. So she's kind of admitting that I've made some mistake and, and I'm going to stop. I'm going to just be honest and just train harder because I just didn't like the feeling of what happened. What is your pain threshold like? You know, It's just awful. <laughs> and when I was a short sprinter, they, they, might, they wouldn't be as... I wouldn't be on the ground, dead, not being able to breathe as often, but pretty much every single session that we do as a long sprinter, I'm like that. Like, for about 20 minutes, I can't get up. Like, everything hurts, and I, like, rethink my whole existence as a person. Like, <laughs> do I even want to do this sport anymore? But then, like, after the pain goes away, it's like, okay, I got some good work in, and, you know, I'll definitely see the benefit of this later on in the season. But it's definitely a lot of mental strength that it takes when you're coming like up to the like 600 500 repetitions and you only have like five minutes rest and look you're absolutely dead you barely finished the last rep and you still got like two more left and it's just the mental toughness that it takes and i guess that will also help you in the race you know when uh, all transfers necessary essentially the records keep falling. Last weekend in Florida, she broke her own Irish 200 metre and 400 metre records in the space of 24 hours. Adelaide became the first Irish woman to run under 50 seconds in the 400 metres as she ran 49.90, a time that would have placed her fourth at last year's World Championships. So how low does Coach Flo think Adelaide can go? I think she can run 49.2, 49.3 if she actually runs it. I mean, you have to really run it. The problem is, it doesn't really matter what the training says. There's a point in the race where your mind is saying, this is insanity, we need to slow down. So there's gonna be a point where she's gonna to have to make a decision to sort of abort the mission and coast in. We probably run about 49.9 or push to the pain and maintain. I'm gonna maintain this pace at all costs. 
and then that's when you have sort of the magic. What is her pain threshold like? I don't think we're there yet. I think we're probably eight out of ten. I think she, we're going to get to ten, and at ten, it's, you just got to keep doing it. I guess it's funny because I usually go out too slow. So all season I've went out too slow. He's always got to like go out faster for um, first love because I'm very like I run very reserved because I don't necessarily know how to run a tactical race yet. I have about a year of experience, so um, I don't know exactly what a 23.5 would feel like. So we were training for, we were always practicing how to run certain times and training. But I guess when it comes to competition, you're in a different type of environment, different type of atmosphere. So sometimes everything just goes out the window. So that's definitely something I'm working on for the future, being able to be more tactical. And um, yeah, that's, that's definitely one of my goals for the outdoor season. She's still trying to earn the discovery stage of finding out who I am and what I do and how good I could be. So once you figure out how good you could be and accept that, then you have to live with everybody else's expectations of you. She's not past the first step, which is how good am I and, and how good can I be? Once I think she figures that out and accepts it, then it's like, oh my God, I could be the first medalist on my island. <gasps> that would be insane. You know? So I think that part comes second. First is just your own expectation of yourself. That's easy to live by, but others' expectations, that's really difficult to live by because it's, it's, people put their stuff on you and then when you don't do it, they tend to diminish you and pull you down. So if you live by their expectation, you all live by their disappointment. So that's not, nothing to all this mental health, that's where it's coming from. The internet is judging and making predictions. And when the prediction don't happen, the internet has opinion and the internet diminish you, belittle you, embarrass you, humiliate you, and it makes it hard to come back out and play the game again. Um, but ev everybody eventually accepts that. Now it's really good to have someone who has confidence in, um, in me because, you know, sometimes when you're doubtful or you don't have confidence in yourself, it's always good to have that person who just kind of like reassures you and tells you, especially if someone with so much experience, like he wouldn't necessarily, you know, just lie and say, oh, um, you're going to run this without actually having the evidence or having the belief that I can do so. So I definitely do trust that and this helps my own, you know, confidence. Definitely something I've been saying to myself lately is like, it is what it is. Like, whatever happens, happens. Like, go out there, do your best. And if the outcome isn't what you want or what you expected, it's okay. Like, we move on and we try better for next time. So I feel like that sometimes alleviates the pressure of, you know, of my, that I put on myself and that other people expect of me. Because it's like, okay, if you don't compete, um, if you don't run a certain time or win a race, it's not the end of the world. And, you know, there's always this quote that you're not as important as you think you are. <laughs> and I feel like that's important to remember sometimes because sometimes when something bad will happen or like when you run slow in a race or when you don't win, you think like your whole world is crashing down, but it actually isn't as important as you think it is. So it's, it's just very much like, um, it's just a process of like alleviating the stress and just going out there and having fun because that's when I perform my best. When I don't have too much pressure on myself, I think it's just another race. It's, up, it's more so an opportunity to show your talents and show what you've been working on instead of a threat. So I feel like in the past I've seen, um, I've seen races as a threat, like, oh, if this happens and I don't perform to a certain expectation, people would think less of me, I think less of myself, my teammates would think less of me, my coach would think less of me. But now I think of it as an opportunity. I can show people, you know, this is what I, this is what I do, and this is what I've been working on the past few months, and, you know, kind of showcase my talents.
Adelaki is studying corporate communication at the University of Texas and she'd like to do a master's in finance, but she's already got offers to turn professional. Usually in America, this means being signed by a shoe company. Floria believes that by the end of this season, Adelaki could turn pro and with her talent, he reckons she could get a contract for half a million dollars per year. I think our responsibility is somehow tell the kids to make the right decision. And even if Rashida's ready or not, if they're offering her an ungodly amount, she's going to have to. The thing I told her, I will keep coaching you. You'll stay in school. Nothing will change. All that changes, you're wearing a different jersey. You have the same coach, the same training environment, the same place to eat. Nothing has changed. I even let you keep your locker. Nothing will change. All that changes, when you put your jersey on, it says something different in Texas. And I told her with mom and family at home, you have a responsibility to just do the very best you can. And if they're giving you that kind of money, you're going to have to take it and we'll make some adjustment. And maybe I have to make sure I change my travel schedule, but we will keep looking after you. But I'm not going to let you come back and compete for Texas and pass on that kind of money just for potentially what's going to happen in the future. Do you think she could get half a mil? Like, is that where? Yeah, I think so. At least? Yeah, I think so. <laughs> I think quarters? So. Like what? I don't know what the rates are over there. I, I, would, I wouldn't be surprised if she gets half a million or more. So that would be per year, is it? Is that the way it works? Yes. Yeah, it's typically per year. So my number for me to tell an athlete not to, if they can offer you at the very least three times your scholarship. Her scholarship is about 70K, plus you got medical, plus you got all this stuff. So once you include medical, all the equipment, all the travel, you're probably about close to 80K. So if they're offering you 250,000 bucks, which is roughly three times, you have to take it. I don't really know yet. You know, I take everything like a day at a time. So, you know, there's definitely been a lot of opportunities that presented themselves, but, you know, it's all about the right timing. So if it is at the end of the season and I feel like it's the right timing, you know, it might be something I look into. But I'll definitely um, graduate. It's definitely something that I need to do for myself personally, you know, track isn't forever. And, you know, it's just a goal of mine to be a college graduate. And, you know, I actually want to also get a master's. So I definitely need to graduate to get a master's. With next year's Paris Olympics coming into view, this summer, the big event for Adelaki is the World Championships in Budapest in August. Can she win a medal there? Yes, she can, says our coach. Ideally, the biggest issue is when you're preparing to become a pro, you have to sort of adjust the schedule. So I'm working on the schedule now, trying to get her at least a couple of Diamond League meets um, because you you have to compete against these people before you get to the championship and face them. So um, I'm working on trying to finish the NCAA, go to, go, to Irish, go to Irish championship, probably run the 100, get something that's gonna be less taxing on the legs. Probably come back here, do some training, do a couple of Diamond League meets, and then we'll come back, finish the last preparation for Budapest. Okay. And then depending how everything goes, if it's a whirlwind between success and hopefully things go well, she's a finalist, maybe a medalist, and at that point it's like, go home and celebrate. And I also promised her a vacation in the islands. that I'd let her take a week and go to the, some islands and with her friends and have some fun. I'm just really competitive. I compete against myself a lot as well, so I want to always, you know, bear my last time, bear my last performance. And I put a lot of pressure on myself as an athlete, so, you know, when I have something in my head that I want to achieve and I don't achieve that, it just makes me really angry because why didn't I achieve that? What could I have done differently to make sure that I achieved a certain goal? And then that's what I want to try and focus on in the future. When it comes to Adelaki's future, watch this space.
This episode of the Indo Daily was presented and produced by me, Sinead Kassan, with thanks to Niall McMonagall on sound, clips from RTE Sport and Track and Field Forever. If you like the Indo Daily, don't forget to like, follow and leave a review.